Welcome to IAAI's April 2010 CFITrainer.net podcast. This month's podcast focuses on the first of our two-part safety series called It Could Happen to You. In part one, our roundtable participants discuss some of the accidents they've been involved in at the fire scene, the dangers of acute injuries at the fire scene, and what steps you can take to work the scene safely. In a future podcast, we will present a second roundtable on the health hazards of long-term exposure to fire scenes as a follow-up. Our roundtable is moderated by Robert Shaw, current president of the IAAI, an ATF senior special agent, and the supervisor of the Arson and Explosives Group in New Orleans. Hello, I'm Bobby Shaw, the president of the International Association of Arson Investigators. I'm here with Rick Jones of the Forensic Investigation Group in Covington, Louisiana, and David Kircher with O'Neill and Associates Fire Investigation in Somerville, New Jersey, for the start of our safety series, It Can Happen to You. We're going to be talking about a few fire scene-related incidents and hopefully stress and improve the uh, safety process. Uh, Rick, let's talk about one of your incidents that we discussed previously, uh, a fire investigation you conducted up in Mississippi. Good afternoon, Bobby. Uh, my name is Rick Jones. Uh, I was looking at a fire in the northern portion of Mississippi, which I was not familiar with. Um, I traveled from south Louisiana up to look at this fire. This was a uh, fatality fire in a manufactured home. So the floor had had some water on it, and it had already swelled and, and was pretty weak. Uh, I was digging the living room out where, where the origin of the fire was, main portion of the fire was located, and the floor gave way, and I reached to try to catch myself and push my hand through a window, a glass window, and I cut my hand pretty bad, cutting um, some of the major uh, blood vessels, causing a lot of bleeding, and um, this was my right hand. And I exited the building um, because it was bleeding really bad and wrapped my shirt that I had on around it. Trying to figure out how I was going to get my keys out of my pocket and not let go of my hand, I tried waving down a car that was passing, and they went right around me and <laughs> kept going. Uh, this is a bald-headed guy covered in blood and fire scenes. They, they didn't want to stop. And not knowing the area, once I got my keys and got into my vehicle, I didn't know where to go. I hadn't pre-planned the area. I didn't know where the hospitals were at. Uh, I remember going through a small town gas station um, area, and I was able to get back to there and ask for directions. And uh, Without me knowing it, the hospital was right across the street from the gas station where I stopped to get directions. But uh, the, the main thing I think that affected the scene was that I didn't pre-plan it and have any idea where medical treatment was or how to get any. Uh, I didn't have a GPS at the time, and if I would have used my cell phone to call 911, I really didn't have anything but the address to give them and not sure that I would have got 911 in that location. Well, what changes have you made to your scene processing tactics when you're in unfamiliar areas now? Do you pre-plan out some of these hospital locations or, or first aid stations, or do you carry your own first aid kit, and have you established a, a protocol for staying in contact with your office to make sure they're familiar with where you are and when you enter the scene and exit the scene? Yes, I do. Uh, I have a GPS that I use now that has hospital first aid um, stations programmed into it. So a lot of times I'll check to make sure that I have an idea of where something's at before I get out on the scene if I'm by myself. 
I, I've been practicing here lately that I try to take someone with me as well as I have a first aid kit with me when I go to the scene, uh, which I did not have when I when I initially got hurt on this one. David, let's let's jump to you now, and and we've talked about your incident several times over the past few years, and I think your incident goes back to when you were actually in the fire suppression business, but nonetheless, it, it drives home the fact that fire scenes are very dangerous places and, and you have to be careful and, and know what's going on or there's a potential to get hurt. Why don't we talk about the, the uh, valve cock incident that you experienced a number of years ago? Yeah, Bobby, Dave Kircher. Um, a number of years ago, myself, uh, two other firefighters and a driver responded to a smell of an odor of natural gas in a house. And uh, when we arrived on the scene, this is uh, back in the days before gas meters and, and um, sensors and all those kinds of testing equipment were uh, commonly carried on the rigs and things like that. And we um, actually responded a lot of times to what we called still alarms uh, without even putting turnout gear on, calls like that. In this particular case, we entered a building that uh, had an odor of ga natural gas, went down to the basement and determined that as we were venting the house that the natural gas uh, was coming from the uh, hot water boiler. And I, I, I reached up to turn the cock that was the supply for the boiler, and as I turned it off, I, I said, that's not the right cock, and I turned it back on. And with that, the front door of the boiler blew off and went across the room. I was standing next to the door, and the door missed me by an inch. Um, the entire building erupted. According to the driver who was standing out in front of the building, it actually lifted up off the foundation and settled back down on the foundation. My partner, who was standing right behind me, was we were looking at each other, or we were trying to look at each other through all the dust and everything else, trying to clear my eyes and everything. I turned around and I said to him, are you all right? And he turned around to me and said, don't ever do that again. And I'm like, you know what? We've been trained a thousand times. Every firefighter knows once you turn a switch, once you turn a cock, once you do anything in a natural gas-fueled, filled environment, that you don't you don't retrace you don't you don't do anything backwards, and not even thinking about it, complacency whatever you want to call it, didn't think and that one turn, in a fraction of a second, could have ended both of our lives. The third firefighter who was brand new at the time was standing at the stairs and ran out of the building, and the chauffeur saw him coming out after the explosion and asked where we were, my partner and I. And he said, well, they're still in the bottom of the building, in the basement. And then he, the driver, who was an older gentleman, threw the other guy back down the stairs. And all we saw him was tumbling back down the stairs. And he said, go back down and get him, because he, you know, he ran out of there, got scared, ran out of there and left us there. And because he was relatively new, didn't realize, you know, the buddy system and everything else, you don't leave your partners behind. What did you carry away from that incident as you, you moved on from suppression ultimately into to, to the fire investigation arena? A huge common word, think and avoid complacency. Always think about what you're doing. Don't forget your training because it could happen in the blink of an eye. And was that one of your, your 
defining moments on on why you are actively involved in the IAAI Safety Committee and, and trying to develop safety programs and get the word out there? Without a doubt. In fact, it's it's it's. I, I must have told this story a thousand times. And every time my partner, Bobby McDermott, from the Morris County Prosecutor's Office, he also worked on that project with us, and he says the same thing. You know, the two of us are here by a stroke of luck. Well, Rick, let's let's jump back to another incident that, that you had recently. And, and again, I think it, it goes back to uh, the importance of, of doing a, a preliminary scene assessment to, to judge the condition of the structure and, and what type of uh, remediation you might need to do. Um, I think this was a fire you worked down here in Louisiana. Why don't you go into detail about that a little bit? Uh, this happened this year. Um, it was uh, very unusual for, for Louisiana. We had a snow day, and we had several inches of snow on the ground. This was a home that um, two stories, and the upper portion uh, roof structure was burned off. Um, having the second floor exposed uh, to the to snow. Had several inches of snow within the fire debris. I was walking on the second floor um, taking photographs, uh, documenting the scene, when the floor beneath me gave loose and I fell through the uh, floor rafters dangling above the first floor. Uh, I, I had someone with me that day that was able to come and rescue me and pull me back up out of the uh, floor, uh, it would have easily been a 8- or 10-foot fall if, you know, I wouldn't have partially straddled a, um, a gas pipe that was running through the floor in this area that I fell through, as well as something caused uh, some damage to my shins and to the inner portion of my leg. I, I again, received a pretty bad cut on the inner portion of my legs and had to have a few stitches uh, to fix that. But do, do you feel your experience from the first Mississippi incident better prepared you to handle this? And you went through some different protocols. You you had a backup investigator there with you. You did a little more pre-planning on what you were going to do if there was a scene accident. So you think the first experience helped you in the second incident? I do. Um, you know, we had a, an ideal that if something happens of how he was going to handle it, he wasn't going to come running up to where I had fell through a floor or whatever because then he would end up on top of me or, or fall through it as well, and uh, that wouldn't help. So we had an idea of what we was going to do if it ever happened, and we have some boards on our vehicle now that um, we try to lay across the, the floor joists to get to one another if, if something like this was to happen. And it did, and uh, he went immediately, got uh, aboard, uh, was able to find the floor joists and, and lay it across for me to be able to brace myself back up on the boards and pull myself back up out of the uh, the floor and and use the board that we had laid down to get back out of it. So so the pre-planning really, really kind of helped you minimize the, the consequences on that fire. And I, and I think that's what NFPA 921 is is trying to do in, in Chapter 12, the safety chapter, um, stressing the importance of, of pre-planning and safety briefings and analyzing the scene. And I know uh, Ron Hopkins recently had a uh, working task group that extensively revised Chapter 12, trying to improve the available information regarding scene safety to people. And it's in the proposal process right now, and I look forward to seeing 
that language in the new edition of 921 coming out in the near future. Um, safety is a real problem on fire scenes, and, and as much as we, we try and get the word out there, I, I think what, what Dave talked about and what you talked about, um, people just overlook it. They, they get complacent. They, they get that macho hero type syndrome where they don't think it can happen to them, but these, these safety problems are real and they can happen to you. So I appreciate you guys coming on to discuss these with us. I, I hope people understand that the risks associated with fire scene investigation are real and take the precautions. And I look forward to presenting more of these it can happen to you scenarios so people really take this safety message to heart. And I look forward to the continued efforts of the IAAI developing safety-related training and, and safety-related programs. We can take away the following safety reminders from today's roundtable. Pre-planning is of crucial importance. Always know how to summon help to the scene and where the nearest hospital is. Set and abide by a set of protocols for operating safely at the scene, especially if you'll be working a scene alone. Be sure that your office knows where you are and that you set up a series of check-in calls and a procedure for your office to follow if you fail to make one of your check-ins. Create and follow a protocol for what will happen if there is an injury emergency while you're at the scene. Consider what you will do in case of a collapse, falling through a floor, a severe cut or puncture wound, an explosion, or being overcome by gases. Update and keep current your personal protective equipment. Utilize ventilation equipment at the scene to prevent explosive atmospheres from developing. Refrain from changing the condition of mechanical devices such as switches and valves. Stop and think before taking every action. Remember your training. Finally, we'll close with news from the IAAI. Time is running out to register for the IAAI Annual Training Conference from May 16th through the 21st this year in Orlando, Florida. To learn more about this year's seminars, FIT credential coursework, and Orlando area attractions, Watch the ATC video preview available at cfitrainer.net forward slash Orlando ATC. Or you can go to www.firearson.com. That concludes this IAAI CFITrainer.net podcast. We'll see you again next month.